Hello, everybody, and welcome to Here's What I'm Seeing, conversations from the front lines of life and leadership. I am Adam Tarno, and I'm joined today by Cynthia Culver and Jeff Straza. Guys, how are we doing? Good morning. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It is. It's good to be here, and we're in Dallas right now, and everything's thawed out. There's no more snow on the ground. (laughs) We have lots of power and electricity, and so we're feeling good today. So, okay, here's what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about the source and fuel of office dysfunction. Have you guys ever been in an office that was uh, a little bit dysfunctional? Dysfunction Junction. I've been there. <laughs> you have been. 100%. Yes. yes. Uh, and so I think most of our listeners would be nodding their head in agreement going, yeah, I, I think my team has probably got some dysfunction at times. There's times where we're not at our best. And so here was the genesis of this idea. So for years, I would go around working with organizations or speaking at various events, and I would go and uh, talk often about conflict resolution, right? That Here's, what's, here's what a lot of teams need. Teams get in conflict. They need to know how to resolve their conflict. And I would teach all these principles. And the, the talks just never really landed that well. I never really had a lot of people come up and go, that was life-changing, mm-hmm. right? And there was one team that I, I had worked with in particular uh, over the last six, uh, six months or so where there was, there was definitely, I think, some conflict going on. And I came in and talked about conflict. And then when I met with the team... I would ask them about the conflict that was present, and everybody was like, "Oh no, we don't, we don't have any <laughs> yeah, conflict. We're fine. We're totally fine." And, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing here? And it was it was confusing to me because yeah. I was like, "Something's off," but you guys are not necessarily mad at each other. There's not a lot of this uh, real conflict that's there, but there is a, just just something that's off. And so uh, that's where, as I started to think about this, like what's going on, I think that, that a lot of teams this this continuum of dysfunction that there is what we were calling before we hit record pre-conflict, right? right. So we're making up a word, which I love doing that. That's yes. awesome that we get to make up a word, that there are things that are going on in the dynamics of a team that are not full on, I'm not reconciled to you anymore. Right. I'm mad at you. I can't work with you. You've hurt me. But so it's not there. Right. Signs and symptoms, but the the water's not boiling yet. That's right. That's and there's right. no reason to go have a conversation. I don't even need to resolve any conflict That's because right. we're we're there's everything's we're fine. fine. What would I bring well, why? up? Why it we're would fine, be Adam? Why mess with it? <laughs> yes, <Okay. laughs> that's it. That's it. And so I think there is a lot of teams. There's just this simmering dysfunction. I like that word. You just said boiling, and so right. yeah, we'll keep now that analogy there. That the the pot is it's getting warm. Simmering. It's a little uncomfortable. You're seeing a few of those bubbles start right. to pop Popping up, but it's not full on conflict yet but I and so I think this is a this is a common experience for a lot of teams and something that we want to discuss right. today so how have you guys seen dysfunction and maybe this simmering dysfunction low right. level dysfunction how have you guys seen this negatively impact a team yeah well I would say one of the main things I see is there's low level whispering yes mm. do you know what I mean I do. And it's not really it's not really gossip because it's more like Oh yeah, that's just the way they operate. Yes, that's just them. Oh yeah, they never do this on time, or they. Ne- and but it's not. It's sort of like you're you're affirming what that the person already knows, and they may even call out about themselves, but in sort of a mocking way. Right. Yes. So there's a little bit of that going on, and I'm like, okay, wait, okay, what's going on? What's I like going that on low there? level whispering. Yeah. That's right. really yeah. really I think good. That dynamic creates workarounds. We yes. avoid, we wait, we, we, we copy people that don't need to be copied, right? Yep. Which creates inefficiencies. There's a lack of trust. So because there's lo- this low-level whispering, it's like, oh, I know that person won't be able to get that done. And so right. here's my work around it. It can turn into games. Right. right? Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, and Office we all know, politics. Yeah, the politics, the games. I mean, there's many times I have felt like uh, over my career being a part of a team that felt exactly like my friend group in high school. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, all the glorious dysfunction and yes. lack of maturity there. Right. But nobody was mad at each other. Right. You know, nobody was fighting, but yet there was still some of this dysfunction that's there. So, Jeff, what are maybe some other signs that somebody would be struggling with this or a team would be struggling with this? You know, I think you can begin to see sort of these signs of engage or lack of engagement with yeah. people. They begin to check out or, they, or they're slow to respond or they, or they put things off. And, you know, employee engagement is, is a really good measure of, of trust within a team. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, uh, to add to that, kind of the flipping over to the the positive side mm-hmm. is, you know what it's like when you're on a team or you're in the canoe with someone or you're running a race with someone and you're in the flow yep. and you're you're connected and you 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 love that person, you trust that person, we're in the same, we're going toward the same mission. And and it's it's the trust fall. Yeah, it's, it's like, effortless. man, I would, I would fall for you. That's I, so right? good. You right. Know? If Rob Barry's listening right now, he is so happy that you just said <laughs> trust fall. Trust fall, what a classic. Not a guy I know who loves a trust fall more than Rob Barry. So, I mean, you guys want to do one right now? You want we to do a trust fall? Right. Oh, right. See yeah, how good we do it. We're not going to do it. This is audio. We, so. we would break the table. But you're right. I mean, when you're in the flow with people and there is this trust, I think it's a lot of what Stephen Covey talked about in his book, Speed of Trust. The benefit to the organization and the team is things move fast. Yes, absolutely. And so when there is this low-level simmering dysfunction, you pay a lack of trust or a dysfunction tax. Right. Things can physically uh, move slower. There can be real costs, there can be soft costs, but just it's it's not, and candidly too, I mean, it's just not a lot of fun right. to be a part of that group. Yeah, and, and I'm just thinking about like the practical thing. Think about the times when you get an email and you're like, yeah, I've got a little bubble over my head that has about a hundred paragraphs in it, yeah. and I can't write all that right now, so I'm just going to table that for yeah. several days. That's exactly and, right. And that's what happens, I feel like, is people, they they halt, they pause. Yeah. So It really, this, this uh, office dysfunction is the reason why... Dilbert and The Office TV show oh are my funny. Gosh. Yeah, that's yes. right. I mean, Dilbert's still around, by the way, yeah. in that newspaper. It's right there, so uh, you can you can still read that. He's still cranking out new things. And then The Office, the reason that was the biggest hit NBC's had in in you know ten years was because people identify with the dysfunction yes, that the is crazy. happening there. Okay, so I'd like to. Th- I'm going to throw out a proposal. I don't want you. Go, you don't have to agree with me on this. So let's just have a conversation about this. I think I know one of the main reasons why this office dysfunction happens. Okay. And I think it's because people are too trusting in one area and not trusting enough in another area. And so here's what I mean. I think we have, or, or people on a team where there's this office dysfunction, they trust themselves too much and they trust others uh, too little. Mm-hmm. And specifically, the trust that we have in ourselves is this, is I think every day we show up to the office and or, or, or log on on Zoom or we have these meetings, anytime we interact with our team at work, every day we wake up with expectations. We expect people to behave a certain way, and then we start to interact with them, and they behave a different way. Right. And so there is our expectations and our reality. There's a gap, mm-hmm. and we get to choose what we put in the gap, most of the time we tell ourselves a story that is negative. Right. I know why this person is not answering my email. I know why this person always logs in late to the meeting. I know why this person is always short when they answer everything. I know why this person always passes the buck. Whatever it is, and we tell ourselves a story, and we believe our story. And I think that right there, the story we tell that we believe it, is where we trust too much. We trust our ability to know the intent and the heart and the reasons that other people right. act. And I think that the the fact that we trust ourselves too much is one of the main reasons why there's this 
dysfunction. It's really the loss of objectivity, Yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I would add to that, it was reminding me of, and I don't know where this saying comes from, but that we judge ourselves by our intentions mm-hmm. and we judge others by their actions. Yes. Now you're meddling. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, but, but that's exactly so, right. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly, it's what you're saying. It's yeah. like, yeah, I look at you and here's the story I'm telling myself. Yeah. And it's true. And so I, I think uh, this belief in our stories, our storytelling ability is part of the reason why this is happening there. And, and again, we were talking about uh, Brene Brown quoting Anne Lamont, mm-hmm. right? So Anne Lamont, an author, she talks about her SFDs, uh, her uh, expletive S-word first <laughs> draft when she talks, right? Or when she writes, which every writer would know this, that it, your first draft is always the worst draft. That's right. And so Brene Brown would heard, heard Anne Lamont talk about this idea that her first drafts were always her worst drafts. And I love how Brene took that and applied that to these stories that we tell ourselves about others going, you need to stop trusting your first draft of the story you tell yourself about people. Crumble those up and throw them away. That's great. And, uh, and, I think that's helpful. Which relates to the last episode when we talked about the amygdala hijack. Yeah. When you feel anxious or you get triggered and you start coming up with these negative interpretations about people. That's exactly right. Um, I've, I just, I feel like I'm a good storyteller sometimes. Do, do you guys identify <laughs> Inside with your own head? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I've sure. never written a story I don't like. I caught myself the other day ch- sharing some, some personal things and in a conversation and the person didn't really say much. And I mean, I got to <laughs> tell you, I, after, when we were talking about doing this episode, I was like, I went, I went and wrote down all the things that I told myself yes. and I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, where is this coming from? This is, this is so off. Well, Cynthia, that's really good fiction. Thank yeah. you for sharing. It's amazing. And so just so that because we have so much trust in our ability to tell stories, then we start to really believe things yeah. about people. And that's where it starts to move from fiction right. to fact and uh, to nonfiction is if if you are, beha- you know, Cynthia, if you and I are on a team and you're behaving a certain way and your your reality is not matching my expectations and I tell myself a story that's negative. I start to believe that and and literally start treating you different. That's right. And it's not based on fact at all. Well, that's also the slippery slope of when you begin to see other people's behaviors or personalities and you begin to interpret that as a character flaw, right? Yes. Maybe you just or you're more assertive or you're more you're more of a reflector or a proce- processor, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so uh, I, th- this idea that we need to not trust ourselves and as much and start to actually trust others uh, with a little bit more could be, could be, I think, one of the reasons why this is happening. So uh, what are, you know, when you guys find yourself, so Cynthia, you talked about, I, I found myself telling some stories uh, there are things that I was believing in that interaction right. that you had the other day. Mm-hmm. So how do you catch yourself when you're doing this? Well, I ca- caught myself because I started kind of in my head going, well, do they even, are, are they listening? Do they care about what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, just kind of interpreting all of that. And I and I really caught myself because one of the things that I've been really working on is accepting that other people are different. Yeah. And that I don't have to have someone respond a certain way for me to be okay. That's good. I'm not dependent upon someone else's response to me for me to to maintain the internal status quo. Yep. Of, of my own journey. And so I just kind of separated that and was like, hey, you know what? N- number two, they have a lot of deposits in my account. Yeah, and so right. I, I tried to reflect on the whole and just go, okay, hang on, wait a minute. That's uh, really this good. is not how they always respond, you yep. know, and that kind of thing. So I think the other thing I'd say is the inability or unwillingness to verify our own perspective. In other words, if I'm not willing to check, hey, Adam, you know, I'm going to check this out with you. What are you, what are you yes. thinking here? Is, yeah. Does that sound on target? 
if we have an unwillingness to do that, then we're just in our own head making up our own stuff. Yep. And we want to believe it. So we don't check it out. No. Because that would be tragic to know my story is wrong, <laughs> right? Like, how debilitating would that be to, to know that it's not wrong? And what's so strange to me is when I do take the opportunity to go, hey, I'm telling myself this story, is it right? It is humiliating mm. how often I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, so it's humiliating and encouraging at the same time because I just start to realize, good night, people are not nearly as malintent as I think they are sometimes. and Or most of the time, there's, you know, most people are trying to just get the same thing out of life I am. Let's have some good relationships, get some work done, and try to make this workplace as great as possible. I heard somebody say one time, you know, most people don't get up in the morning and think, hmm, how can I go to work and screw somebody over today? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I realized, too, because I, I kind of pride myself, I'm c- confessing this, I pride myself on being able to read people. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I realized is, uh, is that the aha was, I'm usually right that something is wrong, Ooh, but I'm that could be a song. never necessarily always right about what it is. Oh, that's good. Say that again. Yeah. I, I like that. So I'm I'm usually right if I read someone that something's going on. Okay. But I'm not always right about what it is. Okay. So that all right. So here's what I'm thinking of. The other day, Jackie's car would not start, and there's one light on the dashboard that, and I'm diagnosing what's wrong. Right. So I knew something was wrong. There right. was a dashboard yes. light. Yes. But I diagnosed it wrong. And so therefore, the way I tried to solve the problem didn't work. And then I ultimately had to have the car towed and then let an expert look at it. And they're just like, Adam, don't ever look (laughs) under the hood of your car ever again and try to do this. Is that kind of what you're saying there? So yes, yes. I can feel that there's something off, but I don't know why. Yeah. And what I love is that the more I have been proven wrong, I love it. I love it because it proves to me, it does humble me and just go, you know what? You may be right that something's going on, but don't internalize it and make it about you because that's what I tend to go to is what did I do wrong? Are they mad at me, all that stuff. And so I've gotten to where I'm like, hey, maybe they're having a bad day. Mm. And you know what? I'm going to, instead of personalizing that, I'm actually going to say, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Yeah. Things going all right? And check in on, and I try to turn it around, check in on them and remove the personalizing piece. That's right. So Jeff, you and I have been friends for a couple years, and this is a skill, not to put you on the spot and embarrass you, I, I feel like you do this great, like master class level uh, of being able to do this. Master w- class manipulator? Is that where you're going <laughs> no. with this? See, you're telling yourself see, a story. Oh Never gosh, mind. I just right, there, right there. Right there on air. Oh, man. No, but like, how did you learn this, and, and how did you bring this into a normal part of your interactions with others? Because I feel like, you know, in the interactions you and I have had, you check in often, it's never awkward. I always appreciate it. And I think it just leads to clarity in our relationship. And I think probably trial and error and also just painful situations where I was I was dead wrong and I really hurt or offended somebody or, or I, I had a lot of anxiety uh, uh, about the relationship or, or the work team. Yeah. And fortunately, early in my career, I surrounded myself with people who were willing to give me feedback and it it sharpened me. And yeah. so I just got into a habit personally, and then I translated that into the work that I do. That's really good. That's I like amazing. It. I like and it I would lot. agree with you. Yeah. 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 He's, he's great at he's it. He's great at it. Okay. So let's do this. Let's just talk about three things that, that we can do to try to end office dysfunction or this, this simmering dysfunction that may be there on our teams. Because here's the deal. Um, those of you that are listening, you can only control you. I, I don't feel like we can say that enough on this podcast. Yep. The only person you control is you. You cannot change your team and control them. So if you want to try to end some of this dysfunction that might be there, it starts with you. Yep. And so let's go through three things here real quick. I'll just... I'll just spit them out, and then we can unpack each of these. So number one would be be humble. Number two, be curious. 
And number three would be be mature. So number one with be humble is to doubt your ability to know what's really going on. Yeah. So what would you say about that, Cynthia? Well, just what I said earlier. Yeah, I mean, right. just yeah. be- believe that you might be wrong about what's going on. That's you may right. be right about that there is something, but that you may be 50-50. That's right. So. Yeah. And so, it, you know, for me, it's some of these pretend conversations that I'll have if I'm uh, on a walk, driving, in the shower or whatever, I'll start to go, I bet I know why that person, <laughs> right? And so those are these internal clues right there at that moment to just stop and go, I bet I don't know what, what's going on. So I don't, I don't have to go so far as to give people the benefit of the doubt and just assume everything is fantastic. Just go, I, just, just say, I probably don't know. And right. so let me just go on a fact-finding mission and try to figure out what's really going on here. But that humility to not trust your first draft, I think, is huge. I think in all the other thing about being humble is be willing to go first. If you feel like there's some dissonance or something funky going on with a coworker, check it out and say, hey, is everything going okay? You know, I, I noticed last week I didn't get a response from you from that email or, you know, we haven't connected recently on that topic. You know, what thoughts do you have about how we can work together? I mean, those are ways in which that are not heavy and emotional and therapeutic. Right. But ways to just to check in with people to see if you're aligned. And that, to me, is are, are words that are going to help people just open up and clarify. Yeah, what I like about what you just said there is I think sometimes if we do have some uh, low-level friction with somebody or somebody kind of annoyed us a little bit, it's not quite conflict where we feel like we need to go through this formal process, but yet it would be good to talk about. I think oftentimes... Uh, starting the conversation is the hardest part. And so as a leader, if you can open that door for people, that can make that a lot easier with your question. Address these things along the way when they're small and they're minor, because when they build up, that's when the stories get big and dramatic and become fiction. Well, and (laughs) it's disarming because when someone asks you a question like that, and I'm just thinking about, you know, I've heard people say just that, the way I think about someone when I'm away from them, there's all that emotion. But when I'm sitting in front of you, it removes a lot of that. That's right. You know, because you're like, oh, they're a person. They're they're flawed just like me. Yeah. And so it removes a lot of the the passion that you, you know, when you're in the shower washing your hair and you're getting yeah. mad, that it removes a lot of that. You know, and I know we all have Zoom fatigue, but I'm telling you, that's a way better way to address these kinds of little tensions or little gaps or role clarification discussions than a phone call or email. Because yeah. People can hide behind email and not really get clear on kind of the connection that we need with people. Yeah. How much dysfunction is caused by email? Again, (laughs) there's another episode with all this. So um, thought that's coming to my mind right now, I bet most of the time when I gossip, I'm not talking to anybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're in your head. I'm in my head. Yep. And I'm telling myself stories about people or I'm talking to somebody, uh, most of the time it's my wife you know, just processing something and, and how much of that gossip and even that gossip that doesn't involve somebody else like me going, Hey, Cynthia, did you hear about Jeff? You know, or Hey, he's Jeff, brilliant. did you, yeah, did you know that? <laughs> did you know he's really good? Um, <laughs> what about positive gossip? Can we yeah, do an episode yeah, on that? that? Okay, good. That's a good Talking idea. behind people's back and, and it being good. But I think that gossip, you know, it really does erode relationships and it does. It's a big deal. So, okay. So the first thing, if we want to end it, it starts with us as be humble, doubt our ability to know what's really going on. And then number two, being curious, Jeff, this is some stuff that you've alluded to, but getting in the habit of asking people questions. Right. I mean, I think if we haven't learned anything in the last year with all this ambiguity is that all of us need to be in a constant learning mode. And, and, and I would apply it here. Keep being a student of your coworkers, Mm -hmm. of your team, be willing to learn their styles, their Mm -hmm. preferences, their, their strengths, 
their habits, and just an attitude of learning and asking questions is, is going to just disarm and move you towards high trust relationships. I love that. Yeah, that attitude of learning, that is that is really good. So, uh, Cynthia, do you have any go-to questions that you ask people if you are trying to seek to understand Well, um, I just, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking specifically to listening to what is not being said, Mm. kind of the nonverbals, listening to uh, just a different level of listening, not just to what they're saying, but, but one question that I like to use is, say more about that. Yeah, that's really you know, good. I got yep. that from a counselor of mine. It's like, say more about that. Because what all, all that does is that allow, that opens the door for them to dig deep and to share more about what they're talking about. That's really In good. In counseling, we used to talk about clarifying with people. Mm-hmm. And like someone might might share, yeah, well, you know, as a child, I got spanked. And it was like, okay. And, and we'd talk about like, what does spanked mean? Yeah. Does spanked mean bruises on the back of your legs? Yeah. Or does that mean a SWAT? You know, and, and so really trying to define what someone's talking about. Yep. Like so often, we really don't know yeah. what they're talking about or what they mean when they say something. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that could be like in the workplace, con, you know, uh, types of conversations, uh, what's going on? Somebody just saying, eh, I've been a little tired lately. Okay. Well, what do you mean Great by tired? One. Can you talk yes. about it? Or yeah, I'm just a little stressed. Or someone was mean to me. Yes, that's right. good. Well, yeah. How you know? Well, the email they sent was on Friday at four thirty, and they copied my boss, and they asked about that report. Yep. Well, yeah. you got hijacked, and you you know the, the monster moved in and took over and and ruined your weekend. Yes, that's good. So that that just that curiosity. That's when you get to understand that uh, everybody does things for a reason, right? And and it usually makes sense when you can get the right story, the facts. You go okay. They A plus B equals C. This all makes some sense here. And so we got to be curious. So be humble. Don't trust ourselves to know what's really going on. So be curious. Go on fact-finding missions. That attitude of learning, Jeff, I really like that language. And then the last one, if we can just be a little bit of like a high school football coach here for a second, <laughs> or is just be mature. Just don't play games, right? Like mm-hmm. th- there's some of that that I think we can just remind ourselves as leaders just go, let's not make this high school 2.0. Like we're adults and we can act like adults here. Yes. So engage in these conversations. Don't be afraid of them. And when you notice yourself wanting to play games, just don't. Just say, I'm not going to play the games right, right now. And I mean, in some of that, it is funny just reminding yourself, like, I'm a 52-year-old woman. I'm, I'm a grown woman. Quit <laughs> yes. acting like a teenager. That's really good. You know? Yes. And it, but it is. It's such our temptation to get to default back to those old ways of thinking and operating. Yeah. I would encourage people to take responsibility for your team culture. Mm. Don't leave it up to your manager. Don't think it's going to come through some lunch and learn. Take responsibility. All right, doesn't mean you have to be Superman or Superwoman, but be you know these principles are going to help you expand your influence. You know, create more objectivity in discussions. You know, go first, lead out. Yeah. And I was just going to add to that. I think that's so good when you think about being mature and and really just do the next right thing. And and I'm saying that going back to the action piece. When, so if I'm trying to change my narrative, there's an action piece. And when I actually even do something small, like, hey, are, are, you, are you doing okay? You know, just even that one, one little thing. action, yeah. um, it does something to put you on, the, on a different path. And then I had a counselor say to me, this to me one time. She said, and, and then when you do that, she was like, notice your internal. She goes, do you feel like you're growing up a little bit inside? Mm. And I'm like, 
It, yeah, yes. I actually do. I feel like I just acted like a grown-up. You <laughs> right. know, I was just an I adulted today. I right? did. Yeah. I did. I think part of being mature is being a coach to your colleagues. Mm. You know, if you get the four thirty email message, you know, you can say, you know what? I bet their intent was they're just trying to make sure that things are covered before Monday, and you know, be a helpful coach to others when they may be getting a little off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I like this. I think this is something that we all, you know, uh, every team faces at some level, this this simmering kind of dysfunction that's there, pre-conflict, whatever it is that we're going to call it. Uh, if we don't address this, I mean, it's a slow leak uh, for most teams. This is where after a while, all of this non-conversation, not talking about this stuff, it really does start to impact your day in and day out. It makes work miserable. You're paying the taxes. It could be the cost or just the speed of getting things done. The work product is going. It impacts retention. Yeah, all of all it. sorts yeah. of things. It yeah. really is. So I think as a leader, it's good to have your finger on the pulse of this. And so if you're a leader of a team right now, even listening to this, and you just go, Adam, I, you know, guys, I don't even think we struggle with that. Uh, do me this favor. Just just ask somebody else on your team. Just maybe share this episode with them and just go, do you think we struggle with this on our team? Maybe just getting an outsider's perspective could be really helpful or somebody else's perspective could be helpful on whether or not you deal with this. And I like what you're saying, Cynthia, throughout this, that just some of these small anchoring yes. conversations can really go a long way. And just, you know, what helps me is just that reminder that most people want the same thing. We want to have harmonious relationships and get some stuff done. And so, as you, as you said, Jeff, not everybody's waking up every day just to, to make our life miserable. <laughs> That's right. You know, even though they act that way sometimes. But <laughs> anyway. All right, guys. Great conversation. Thanks for being in the studio today. It's fun to be with you guys. Thanks so much for listening to Here's What I'm Seeing. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. And if you haven't done so already, please go over to adamtarno.com. Hit that free ideas button right up there in the top right-hand corner. Once a week, I send out an email filled with ideas to help you be a more engaging leader. As always, today's episode was mixed and edited by the amazing team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all for today's episode. We'll talk to you again next time. 